one of the big uh, misconceptions of, you know, the venture community or, or the investment community that's in the Northern Hemisphere is that they feel that in a bear market, there's a bear market in Latin America, right? And we're used to having bear markets all the time. Like, you know, <laughs> we're complaining in the Wall Street Journal here about inflation. It's just another Tuesday in Latin America to a certain extent. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fintech Leaders, a weekly podcast where we learn from today's global leaders in fintech business and beyond. Coming to you from New York City, I'm your host, Miguel Larmaza. If you enjoy this conversation, I encourage you to share it and please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever you get your show so more people can learn from it. In this episode, I head down to sunny Miami, for the FinTech Nexus Latin America Conference, where I sit down with Aaron Schwarzkopf, CEO and co-founder of Kushki, one of the largest digital payments companies in Latin America that's helping companies across the region digitize their payments under a single integration. Founded in 2017, Kushki now operates across most of Spanish-speaking Latin America, was last valued at $1.5 billion and has raised almost $200 million in equity capital from Kazakh, SoftBank, ClockTower, Dila, and many more. We discuss the societal benefits of a digitized society and economy and how digital payments can reduce corruption and increase the velocity of an economy working with financial regulators across the region and why Aaron sees evidence that regulators understand the benefits of fintech and is optimistic for the future of the industry, growing the company from zero to over a thousand people and some of the biggest lessons learned along the way, what it means to be the first Ecuadorian unicorn and why he hopes to inspire more entrepreneurs to follow his path and just a lot more. Hope you enjoyed this great conversation with Aaron from Kushki live at FinTech Nexus Miami. How's it going, Anna? All good. Thanks. Uh, it's a little early. I know everyone's in Miami here, so thank you for being here. You know, thought everybody would be sleeping and you know, from the parties last night, so thank you for being here. Yeah, we have. A, I think we have a good crowd here. Um, and what? There's just a Neymar. What happened? <laughs> Uh, but uh, they're going to change it for the Argentine, I guess. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't. Let's start with uh, your story. We're just talking about stories of inspiring founders. Why Kushki? And tell us a bit about your story. Yeah, sure. I um, so I'm originally from Ecuador. I was raised there, and uh, I started my first business, payments business, when I was 20 years old here in the states. And uh, after that, I was sold to a big bank. And uh, I was uh, looking into Latin American development in general and uh, started going a lot back home. And uh, we found this huge gap in infrastructure. Uh, Latin America has lived uh, for decades with payment infrastructure that was built for the 90s, right? And got consolidated that way. And we, we found this huge gap that we were obsessed about of building, you know, kind of a pillar for the new age economy, right? So that's essentially what Kushki is. Uh, 
We believe that in the next 50 years, you know, businesses will need servers, logistics, and easy ways of moving money. And we're trying to build that pillar and kind of refactoring the whole infrastructure of moving money in Latin America. Has the vision that you started with been altered, changed uh, throughout the years? It actually hasn't. It, it's gotten a little bigger, right? You know, we get more ambitious, but uh, we, we wrote the mission for the company on the first day. And, you know, funny enough, you know, uh, it hasn't changed. Yeah. Love it. Uh, let's talk about the consequences of digitizing <laughs> an economy, a society. Um, tell us about some of the benefits, uh, maybe the obvious ones, but also the less obvious ones of what happens when a, an economy or society moves into fully digitized payments. Yeah, so probably the obvious ones, like you know, for a business to have a plug-and-play solution, either in a country or in a group of countries in the region, right, to get up and running and you know, just do their business and move money, it's probably the obvious one, right? It makes it cheaper, cleaner, faster. Uh, the non-obvious ones, more societal, I, I, I think uh, it creates a lot of transparency and velocity for society, right? So we've actually seen that quite a bit in the last couple of years with digitalizing payments of basic services in some of the countries in Latin America, where, you know, you go to the extent of moving from a 1% of the population using digital payments for these things. And if you think about what they used to do before, it created traffic, it created corruption, it created cash management, right? It created a lot of things that it's avoided once it's digitalized, right? It makes it automatic, cleaner, and probably more macroeconomic, especially for, for some economies in Latin America, is the velocity of money, right? Uh, the concept of you know, being able to move your money with a single click or storing it from a digit to a digit and just moving it really fast makes economies much faster, right? Uh, and that has a, a ridiculous amount of macroeconomic benefits as well, right? I don't think we're at that level, right, yet, uh, but that's what we hope to, right, be able to help a country speed up their commerce uh, in general. Yeah, you, you kind of alluded to this. It's no secret that Latin America has a, one of the biggest informal economies, and, and that's a challenge when you want to digitize someone and bring them online. Um, the ones that are succeeding in doing that you know, what are they doing right? And how can other countries maybe replicate it? Just getting rid of cash is usually, you know, Latin America is pretty big on cash. And even though cash, you know, there's such plays around digital cash that they'll only scale to a certain extent, right? You know, it's great to pay Uber drivers with cash, right? But once you have not a thousand Uber drivers in a city, but you have, you know, a half a million people going to do that, everything breaks in the infrastructure, right? So... Finding ways to reduce cash with any other type of electronic payments. In Latin America, it seems today that Visa and MasterCard are, are growing at a speed that, you know, they've never grown anywhere else in the region, in the world, actually. Uh, but there's also other plays, you know, real-time payments like PICs, certain wallets that are coming around. But, you know, the movement of people using less cash during the day for their mundane um, expenditures is, is the, the key, right? And... That's why you see economies moving much faster in places like Brazil or Chile, right? It's a little bit more, in Peru also, Peru's gotten a huge wave of, of wallets that are, you know, killing cash a little bit, right? And you see it moving much faster. Uh, you have Ecuador, Colombia, Mexico, are a little bit behind, are a little bit more cash dependent today. That's interesting. And, and how can a economic cycles alter the momentum? Do you see an effect uh, during boom times or during bearish times? 
You know, it depends what <laughs> bull and bear means, right? One of the, one of the big uh, misconceptions of, you know, the venture community or, or the investment community that's in the northern hemisphere is that they feel that in a bear market, there's a bear market in Latin America, right? And we're used to having bear markets all the time. Like, you know, <laughs> we're complaining in the Wall Street Journal here about inflation. It's just another Tuesday in Latin America to a certain extent. So uh, I, I, for us, right, we, we focus mostly on, the, on, on today, on the large enterprises, on, on like the big, big players, right, to help them move their stuff digital. Usually bear markets is where we thrive. Right, uh, because it's uh, it makes it easier for companies to do cost cutting, become more efficient, digitalize things uh, in general. Right, so uh, one of our biggest inflection points was when uh, when uh, when things closed two years ago. Right, and everybody was like, other than thinking the world was going to end. Right, you know, people were trying to figure out how to how to move money with their customers, how to cut costs, and you know that's usually what we do. We at the end, better infrastructure means lower costs. You know, more transparency. Yeah, and it, it seems like some of the largest fintech companies around the world are payments-driven, or at least they started that way, and then maybe they expanded into super apps or what have you. Why is that? As a, as a payment company yourself, Kushki, you know, why is it that, yeah, so that look, drives growth? Like in every region of the world, and you know, every time there's like a fintech cycle, it's usually led by a payments company and uh, or, or it started, right? You know, kind of is the catalyst of everything. Good example is Brazil, like, you know, about a decade or so ago, right? The fintech boom didn't happen in lending or trading or insurtech. It was all payments, right? And same in Egypt and Canada and many places. And the reason is that even though payments is considered fintech, right? It's probably very, very different than most, you know, conceptions you would have of fintech. We look at it as an infrastructure business, right? So, uh, and, and usually uh, investment dollars look at it as an infrastructure business, not necessarily as a traditional fintech where you'd be lending money or, you know, doing some sort of banking service, right? Uh, and uh, it creates a lot of consistency. So it looks more akin to utilities like electricity, water, things like that, where, you know, you have a, a really high barrier of entry and a ridiculous amount of code that you need to build to a certain extent. But then things are very predictable because it's a basic need. You really, you know, it's, it's, it's like the internet. You need to be able to transact, right, to a certain degree. And, and that's the reason. I, I, I just think it's, it's a basic need, right? And on top of that, you layer other things, right? Um, we're not designed purposely, right, for other fintechs. So even though we have them among our clients, a lot of them, right? And if you think... Lending companies that are fast at underwriting and at dispersing and collecting loans, which is kind of the last panel, is like how do how do we get to that? We need to be super efficient and you know pushing money and pulling money, and we do that for them as well, right? To a certain extent. So without us, it's hard to scale to a certain you know to a certain size even. So it's a precursor of the rest of of the fintech wave usually. Tell us a bit about. Kushki, about your core products, where are you seeing the highest amount of growth? What markets are you in these days? Yeah, so uh, probably worth uh, acquiring payment acceptance, all this stuff is usually the ugly duck of, of payments, right? So when you think of like a Visa or MasterCard, you think about a card, you don't think about all the other stuff that happens when you, know, you actually put the card into the other side, right, to a certain degree. 
In Latin America, both ACH systems that move money from account to account and, uh, and the visas and MasterCard, when they came in in the 80s, right, they, they focused primarily on, on, on the former, right, on figuring out how to lend money and move towards the user. And what happened is both the ACH as well as the payment processors were made by need at that time. So, you know, most of the, of the people that hold the infrastructure today are companies that used to be a consolidated play by the whole banking association, sometimes with the visas, MasterCard, sometimes with the government too, right? The problem is they never evolved from that, right? Uh, and, and they continue to be that, right? And, 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 um, and that's what we tackle to a certain extent, is trying to figure out how to refactor all that infrastructure so that it meets the demands not only of today, right, but meet the demands for the next 50 years or so, right? So Kushki's core mission in Latin America is to be an end-to-end platform for other businesses to be able to transact, be it carts, be it transfers. We do some cash as well, even though we want to kill it, right? Uh, so that, that's our, our whole purpose in live. And to core products, you know, we have some front-end products, but usually Kushki is something you can't see. Right, so we're mostly API driven. Right, uh, if you guys live in Latin America and some of the countries we're in, we're in, from Mexico to Chile and Spanish-speaking Latin America in almost every country now. And uh, and I'm pretty sure if you've been to those countries as of late, you've used Kushki. I'm like statistically, I'm pretty sure you used it, but you've never seen it. Right, and that's our purpose. I right? make it super seamless for companies to be able to do stuff. So mostly is our APIs, right? So we do collections, right? So, you know, making it easy for you to receive money and we do disbursements, making it easy for you to dump money into the system as well. Yeah, and that, that means you're working with different governments or regulators across the Americas. Are you seeing uh, a positive wave of developments Absolutely. from regulators? Yeah, you know, I... As a whole, I think that regulators understand that this is a precursor to many other things, and they understand that the status quo was great for the 90s and maybe early 2000s, but needs to change and evolve, right, to a certain extent. And uh, overall, you know, the, my two conceptions of regulators is like they're super pro this, right, and are moving forward. We are actually kind of evidence of that, right? We've become in many countries, the first non-bank regulated entity to, to be able to do this, for example, right? So we, we, we are evidence that the regulators are moving towards that trend positively, right? I think what would be great is more knowledge, just in general, right? Like, like everything in Latin America, uh, every country is very myopic to their country, and they don't even see, you know, to the country to the side. So I, I think having more, more of this, more think tanks, more for people to be able to, you know, connect and, you know, uh, see what works where and try to build more standardized things would be great. Yeah, particularly since some of the world-class examples are happening around the corner, right? I mean, you mentioned PIX in Brazil. Hopefully the rest of the region can can replicate something like that. Yeah, that, that gets me super excited. gets me, you know, scares the crap out of me too, right? <laughs> because, you know, everybody's saying, okay, we're going to kill cash and put digital cash and, you know... Uh, when they all went to crypto conference two years, like, oh, we're all making our own money, right, for, for now on. And then they're saying, oh, we're making picks, you know, so we're just going to change the ATM system from the banks to ours, right, you know, in the government. So it's, uh, you know, it'd be nice now, especially, you know, seeing the picks adoption close to figure out what, what does it look like in other countries, right? Can it be standardized in some sort of way, right? Uh, 
as well for picks in Brazil, right? You know, I think picks today is version one, right? It's it's been a, a phenomenon in adoption, but in certain angles, right? It's still very allergic to get to other angles, and you know, it, it, it'd be kind of nice to see what picks version five looks like, right? To a certain yeah. extent, yeah. Go, going back to the company, how, how big uh, is it in terms of employee count? We're about a thousand people now in Latin America, so uh, we are a sizable company, right? We are. Uh, the majority, I would say, you know, maybe 90% of, of the employees are in uh, in the countries in Latin America, and we do have a division in APAC, uh, Middle East, uh, APAC Europe, Middle East, and the United States that sells uh, Kushki to other payment providers, right? That uh, that have uh, transactions in Latin America, right? Um, so it's about the size of the company today. The company is six years old this month, right? So we just turned six, uh, and yeah. Started with two people? Started with two people, yeah. So tell us about that culture, because, uh, I mean, the company, it's unrecognizable from when it started, but yeah, I'm sure you had a vision for the, the culture. Yeah. Uh, look, it's a, I, I think it's a, that's one of the biggest challenges in day-to-day fights you know, that I have, but it's really hard not only when you scale to numbers where you don't get to meet and share like a lot of time with everybody, but Kushki was also built I don't know if rightly or wrongly as a Latin American company. So we never really had a headquarter, right? We started in two countries, then we moved to more and whatnot. And the, the team's always been a single team serving Latin America, but it comes with a lot of, you know, cultural language differences between them. Uh, we, we've tried to simplify quite a bit our culture, right? Uh, and, and write it down and, and basically put it first in everything we do. So we have like a cultural plan when we hire, when we fire, when we, you know, do performance reviews and when we treat each other, it's, it's, it's based mostly on transparency and trust. It's a little more complicated than that, but it's based mostly on transparency and trust, right? And while we're on this topic, you have actually grown not just organically, but through acquisition yeah, uh, with yeah. a recent acquisition in, in Mexico, uh, Bill Pocket, right? Yeah, we've done two acquisitions in the past six years since we started, one in Chile and one recently in Mexico. Yeah. So it's no secret that the mo- one of the most challenging parts of that is the integration. Yeah. Different systems, different culture, all that. You know, tell us about that process. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a process, <laughs> you know. Usually we, we, we're very lucky that the first company that we bought uh, naturally became, you know, the heart and the lungs of the company. Uh, so we had a really good experience early on, right? And we're trying to recreate that with the, the, the company we bought recently, right? I, I do think the important thing, you know, this last company we bought in Mexico, everything they wanted to do for the future complemented what we want to do. So we were very in line in what we want to do. And culturally, you know, even though there's some differences, right, uh, you know, most of the, the core values are, were similar, right? So we, we're working on an integration process around that, right? Uh, looks pretty good, to be quite frank. Yeah. We, we haven't talked too much about incumbents, banks, um, and, and you have a, a public view that is of collaboration, that fintechs and banks should coexist, uh, will coexist. Uh, how do you envision this relationship going yeah. forward? Where, are banks going to disappear from your point of view? Banks will not disappear, and I hope they don't. I think yeah. they play a crucial role, especially in Latin America, right? I, I, I've always said that being a banker, you know, 
decades old banker in Latin America is probably, you know, among the people we should pray in Latin America for saving the economy. So I'm usually very pro-banker in, in that sense. Uh, the, the nice thing in payments, you know, you usually get confused with fintech, you know, let's put a pirate flag and let's try to kill the banks. But in, in, in payments, it's the other way around, right? Uh, banks are some of our biggest partners. If we do well, they do well. So, you know, our incentives is aligned. Our job is to make sure that, you know, we just grow the pie. We call it TPV, but, you know, the process volume that we can do through our infrastructure, the more it grows, it means it goes through the banks as well and they monetize and they, they, it creates a bunch of other things other than payments there, more deposits, uh, you know, more, more lending data, et cetera. So we're always aligned and we, we, we do a lot of stuff with them, actually. We, we work very closely with a lot of banks uh, in Latin America. Yeah. Yeah, there hasn't been, unlike the U.S., where you've seen some acquisitions from banks uh, acquiring fintechs, there hasn't been a lot of that in Latin America. Would you expect for that to happen going forward? Yeah, you know, there, there's been historically, it's probably more banks in Latin America, for some reason, you know, there, there's not a lot of regional banks or, you know, corporate banks. They're usually, you know, family offices that have built, you know, banks, you know, uh, in a more... Uh, myopic sense, which is fine. They've been great businesses moving forward. And I think that makes things a little slower when it comes to M&A because uh, a lot of banks in Latin America don't have M&A teams yet today, right? You have some more regional corporate banks that do that, and they're usually the ones that buy. So it's usually the Spanish banks in Latin America, among others, right? But I, I, I do expect that you're starting to see a lot of investments of banks into fintechs that was, you know, probably unheard of five years ago, right, in Latin America. So I do expect it to pick up quite a bit. Yeah. We, we have a question incoming from Enrique Teixeira Rapio. Uh, where does the name Kushki come from? And is there any crypto in your roadmap? Yeah, uh, that's two questions. Uh, so <laughs> Kushki means cash in Quechua. Quechua is the, the, the most popular language, uh, like tribal language in the Andes, right? So uh, Kushki means cash. Uh, most people think it's just something funny, but you know, it's actually not that you know, not that creative, right? So um, as to crypto and the roadmap, you know, I, I always struggle with the, the word crypto, right? It, you know, today, Kushki as a whole cannot accept crypto in almost any country we, we work in because it's illegal, right, you know, to do it. Uh, uh, when it legalizes, if it legalizes in some of these countries, be super opening, open to, to accepting crypto. We, we're usually very open to accepting any type of payment method. All the infrastructure we created is, is um, uh, works for cards, works for transfers, works for crypto in general. So when that happens, yes. Where, where I see more interest in Latin America is, you know, the the use of some stable coins and, and blockchain, I think, could be a game changer for many industries in Latin America, right? And I think we're just starting to see the underpinning of that, right? And, you know, we're, we're more focused there. Like, you know, we, 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 like, uh, we like it there, yeah. So you are, I think, so for me if I'm wrong, but the only Ecuadorian unicorn, at least in this modern uh, tech era. Uh, and there's been a few... Uh, companies that have have kind of come out of, of the country, but not as many as obviously larger economies. Yeah. What what did you do differently to stand out and to get to where you are today? Yeah, I, I get this question a lot and say, Ecuador, where's that? It's small in general, <laughs> right? Um, we didn't do anything differently, right? You know, I think the only difference when you live in a smaller country is when you're starting. You know, you have to strive a little more 
to get to the ecosystem, right? Because if you live in Brazil, Mexico, the ecosystem has come to you, right? So uh, you, you don't need to, to strive so much to get to that. If you live in Ecuador, Peru, Colombia, you know, most of Central America, you need to go to the ecosystem, right, to a certain degree. But in the end, you know, nations are not important, in my opinion, for companies. It's performance and talent, right? So uh, I, I don't know what we did differently, to be quite frank. I also think the tech scene in Ecuador is, is very new, like in most places, right? You know, there didn't used to be unicorns outside Brazil, I think, until a year or two ago, right? So it's brand new. It has been kind of rewarding, you know, to to be able to to show people they could do it, right? So uh, we love speaking with other entrepreneurs from like smaller countries uh, in Latin America. They're like, how'd you do it? I was like, I don't know, I didn't do anything different, but you could do it too, right? It's been kind of, yeah. I, I think one of the things that you did do is you started with a regional mine from day zero, and you, you, you yeah. mentioned that. Um, sounds like you also have a bit of a, an international ambition. I mean, you, you've been following your clients, and you mentioned one of them. Many of them are in me and APAC. Um, why, why not go outside of Latin America? So actually, we don't, right? Kuchki's been created for Latin America, and that's what we do. Everything we do outside Latin America is to basically bring volume into Latin America. So I, I don't think you'll see, you'll see Kuchki anytime soon expanding outside of Latin America to provide services, right? Um, uh, in terms of us being a regional company, you know, from the beginning we saw as, we saw it as a, this needs to be standardized and commoditized as a region, right? So, I don't know if it's our Viva Ecuador. I don't know if it's our. <laughs> I just saw that yeah. as well. Because <laughs> for us, for example, I, I don't know if it's a mistake, but our biggest challenge since we started, like, if you asked me if you started this again, would you have done the route of making it a regional company? I'm not sure. Right, to be quite frank. Uh, it's been really hard. You know, I hope it's not a mistake at the end, right? But building a company that we knew from the beginning that, you know, we did everything, you know, regional, regional team, regional roadmap, regional regulatory requirements, you know, that's, that's very like uh, unconventional. Usually companies start in a market and then they start expanding into other ones, right? It's easier to build culture, it's easier to build roadmap and whatnot. We, from the beginning, started you know moving everything up, right? You know, and all everywhere else, and uh, it's been extremely challenging. Uh, we've made tons of mistakes. Latin America wasn't built to be standardized, you know, culturally, regulatory, labor laws. You know, it's really hard to have a Latin American company. Actually, it's I don't. It's impossible. I feel right. You know, countries are completely allergic to each other when it comes to. The many things. Yeah. Speaking of which, another question came in. How about Bra how about Brazil? How about Brazil? Uh, we have an office now in Sao Paulo. Uh, super good payment talent in Brazil is incredible. Brazilian payment infrastructure is about a decade ahead of the rest of Latin America, right? So, Kushki isn't like a, a, a super fit in its current iteration for Brazil because it's already happened, right? In, in a certain extent. With that said, Brazil is in LATAM, right? And our ambition is, is to, to be able to have infrastructure or around LATAM. For uh, the entrepreneurs in the room and, and those listening in the future, what makes you the most excited about going forward for Latin America? Just, just in general, like, numbers don't lie. Latin America is growing at a pace that is uh, enviable, right, in other regions in the world. And 
kind of any way you slice it or measure it, right? You know, technology adoption, GDP growth, uh, you know, um, has a very young population and it's a growing population, which today in the world is kind of weird. Most of the northern hemisphere is declining in population, right? So you're investing in the long term in a place like China or the US or Japan, you're scared, right? There's going to be less people, right? Um, so that excites me quite a bit, especially this past year, right? Because, you know, for some entrepreneurs I speak with, they're like, oh, you know, money came and now it's gone, right? You know, uh, and that's not true. Uh, you know, there's these little bumps here and there, but, you know, I, I just feel like uh, uh, everything is, uh, it, it's like a blank canvas in Latin America. There's so much stuff to do and, and the market responds, the regulators are responding, like, you know, the capital is there, right? You know, there's capital cycles and where it's, you know, cheaper or more expensive to get capital, but it's there for sure. So, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Aaron Schwarzkopf from Kushki. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoyed this great episode with Aaron, CEO of Kushki. If you want more interviews, make sure to subscribe, follow and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whatever you get your shows. It helps and means a lot. And if you have any suggestions or thoughts about the show, please drop me a line on Twitter or LinkedIn. Signing off till next week, I'm your host, Miguel Armasa. <laughs>